This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And I'm here today with a lady called Nancy Mayer. Now, Nancy is a business advisor, profit strategist, innovation coach, and the founder of Power, Play, and Profit. Nancy's specialism is about developing strategic plans and building highly effective advisory boards that accelerate growth and secure funding. I think this is absolutely crucial and really interesting because I know that Nancy's been, uh, we've been having some great conversations actually offline because some of you may or may not, I'm also starting up another startup company, which is all in the ocean plastic space. Some of you may or may not know. If, you're not, if, you're, if you'd like to know a bit more information, of course, you can also go to my LinkedIn profile and check that out. But some of the things that we're going to be talking about today's topics is we're going to be talking about some of the biggest mistakes that, that maybe some of the clients that when Nancy comes into contact with, what are some of the biggest mistakes that try, that trying to avoid and some of the things that you need to try to avoid when you're thinking about advisory boards. We're also going to be talking about what actually is an advisory board in terms of characteristics, personalities. We're looking at how to build one and what's why is it so important to build an advisory board, right? So that's super important. We're also going to be talking a little bit about the framework and the methodology about how to recruit an advisory board. Because I'll tell you what, I know for a fact, the crucial, it's so crucial to make sure that you've got the right advisors, the right advisory board on, especially when you're uh, in start phase or if you're in tech or fintech or whatever it might be. So crucially important to surround yourself with who you become. And listen, it's, it's not cliche. It's totally true. So listen, without further ado, Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. So happy to be here. Likewise. It's great to have you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, uh, firstly, I want to say thanks so much for, for some of the uh, connections that you've, uh, and, and also your advice as well around some of the things that we're working on in our startup. So I just want to say thanks very much for that. Well, I love, I love mentoring startups and uh, there's so many amazing ideas and I'm there to serve and yeah, we're going to dig into some secret weapons that far few many people are not using and uh, if they do use make sure that they do it right absolutely and you know and I, I know I mean some of the things that you've been working on um, especially when it comes to startups I mean you've done some stuff in Silicon Valley haven't you with startups and work with numerous companies and things like that what what is the, what are some of the uh, what are some of the companies that you really love working with or is there anyone in particular that kind of springs to mind uh, a lot of the mentoring that I do is through venturecapital.org, Kiertsu Forum, which is uh, the largest angel investor network, mm. um, boom startups, different accelerators. So I just, all the different ideas, all the different founders, uh, mentoring them, helping them. 
And with a lot of these groups, what I find is really fascinating and it kind of supports the idea of an advisory board. And that is the magic that happens when you get six or seven people from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. helping a founder with a very specific challenge. Many times that's like helping them build their, their pitch deck and, and getting them ready for their first big pitch in front of a group of uh, investors and uh, like understanding, you know, what investors are looking for, because your pitch deck will have many different versions. You're going to, your initial pitch deck is just to get the conversation, but they're going to have an investor's deck and you're going to have a marketing deck and you're going to have a sales deck. So, I I mean, some of the things that I've seen that I really like and that I talk a lot about is um, when you're building your business, have a slide for every single key idea. And then you can roll it up or roll it down, but depending on who you're talking to, you can shuffle the deck. And uh, that allows you to work smarter, not harder. And you've actually lost none of your information because in the olden days, like we would have to take a business plan and edit it and this, that, and the other thing. This way it's, uh, uh, I kind of follow the the idea of Nancy Duarte from uh, Slide Docs. I know we talked a a little bit about that. and that's when you're giving a presentation, you have a narrative picture. And when you have a document, you've got a lot of words. And the nice thing is, especially for your investor deck, when you can put those two together, it makes it easier to read and easier for people to get the idea quickly. Mm, love it. Love it. Some very cool stuff. All right. Well, listen, let's get straight into this. Um, I, I was going to ask you, actually, I mean, you've been doing this for, for the best part of uh, a quarter of a century, you know, 25 years and things like that. But prior to that were you I mean how did it come about was you kind of more working in corporate America than transition into something into more advisory I'd love to know more about the background before that actually I'm a serial entrepreneur uh, started in the entertainment music film television got into event management conferences then I was in a, a not-for-profit and literally uh, helped them go from 600000 to $1.3 million in donations in less than 10 years just by using strategies. So I just always thought very strategically. Uh, then I got into software development and through software development uh, really uh, – happened upon some phenomenal strategic tools, one of them being the business model canvas, got to work very closely with Alexander Osterwalder and his team and launched their second book, Value Proposition Design. So I really love visual thinking. Um, And I also got a chance to work with uh, Luke Coleman from Innovation Games. So I became more of a facilitator and that led me to do quite a bit of strategic planning with the Business Development Bank of Canada, which is a you know an investment bank for entrepreneurs, and uh, got to work with some really cool companies. But I love helping people uncover their own ideas. Like I don't want to do it for them. I want to teach them how to fish. I don't want to fish for them. Yeah. And uh, you know, some of my greatest joys are those aha moments when people understand. Oh, that's who my customer target is that's, you know, bringing me the most benefit. And here's my value proposition. And, um, and then, and then making those pivots and then integrating them into their strategy and then helping them with the actual implementation. Love it. Love it. Very cool. Awesome. So listen, I I kind of like my, my thoughts are um, I'd love to know more about kind of, what do you think in terms of like, especially when people come to you for 
prior to a particular challenge or a problem, whether it be a startup company or whatever it is, whatever it is. But what do you feel? I mean, from in terms of like the minds of those clients or, or the, you know, the clients that have come to you for advice, for example, what are some of the biggest mistakes that they're trying to avoid? And, you know, and especially when it, when it may be surra- maybe around sort of advisory boards, you know, how do you kind of like, I don't know, not twist their arm, but kind of convince them that actually, you know what, have you got these things in place? Cause you're going to need these things in place. I mean, I'd love to know more about what your thoughts are about that. Well, there was a fascinating statistic from the Business Development Bank of Canada that less than 6% of small to medium-sized businesses have formalized advisory boards. And the ones that do are seeing triple the amount of revenues, double the amount of productivity. And when you put those two together, that's a huge impact on their profitability. And then when you have a startup, there is also an increase in your valuation based on association. But what I found is that a lot of founders are just going after names for the association component and not actually bringing them together around a table properly prepared to help them with their biggest business challenges at the moment. So, you know, instead of spending two to three hours on a one-on-one mentor relationship, Uh, you can spend those same three hours with everybody together. And that's where the magic really happens. And, um, yeah, and it becomes a win, win, win because the founder wins because they get invaluable advice that they'd never otherwise get. Um, They compress timelines, they eliminate costly mistakes and they increase their own circle of influence, which then increases their ecosystem of investors as well. So, um, you know, if they are working with an angel group or a venture capital, those, that person could be on their advisory board, but the, I, I, I really believe that people should be pulling their advisors from their own network because those are the people that want to help and uh, they'll do it because they want to do it and they want you to succeed as opposed to doing it for money because uh, that's one of the, the tricks to having a highly effective advisory board where you get a huge ROI because you're not paying people for their advice. You're you're bringing them together to help you. And it's yep. a big difference. Yeah. And I think that, I, you know, especially from a founder's perspective, especially in the startup world, one of the things that they're so conscientious is obviously cash flow and money because, you know, some, some companies, a lot of companies can't even make a single dime, you know, in the first couple of years. I mean, Amazon took freaking what, 20 years before they even made a single dime before they profit because they just reinvested in the business. Right. So I think you made a really good point there. So that's cool. Very good. Um, Well, the other cool thing that I've seen quite a bit is some of these super successful people actually start pitching in and Mm -hmm. take a temporary role. So when you don't have a lot of money, and it's amazing some of the things that I've seen. And when they see you implementing a lot of their ideas and, and you putting it into their strategy, then they become even more vested. Mm-hmm. And um, then the, the fascinating thing is your company then becomes their topic of conversation when they're at the water fountain. So 100%. it's, uh, yeah. 
I think it's great. Do you think it's also like from your perspective, do you feel like it's also a limiting belief sometimes in founders of startup companies? Because initially the first thing they're thinking of is, oh crap, how much is this going to cost me? Right. You know, and, and I think there's this kind of fine line between advisory boards and say getting coaching or mentoring. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like this first thing yeah. is, holy crap, how am I going to afford this? That's probably maybe a limit in belief. What's your take on that? Well, I think the first issue is that they go bored and they just think board of directors. They don't understand the difference between a board of directors. Yes, they're probably going to have to have a board of directors at some point in time uh, and an advisory board. And, you know, all the horror stories of founders being kicked out by their board of directors. So, Mm. you know, it's first understanding what it is and what it isn't. And, you know, we talked, we're going to talk a little bit about what's the purpose. I mean, that's the very first fundamental thing and funding is important, but also it could be access. It could be advice because sometimes it's, uh, you know, that, that, that one connection that makes all the difference that Mm -hmm. you would never get your foot in the door, but that person knows that person. Therefore, uh, it's a game changer. Yep. Love it pardon the punt as it as we say <laughs> love it i wanted to squeeze that in there somewhere <laughs> absolutely 100 so um okay so let's get some context because i know we've been talking about advisory boards but for the people that are maybe a little bit inexperienced or maybe don't know what advisory board is what is an advisory board you know i'm, I'm not talking about the wikipedia english dictionary version of an advisory board but your version of what advisory board is and um, what's the va- what, what do advisory boards bring in terms of value? I mean, what's the point? Well, that's why I believe you need to be super strategic and intentional about building your advisory board. Where do you need advice? So first thing is, again, the purpose. Do you need funding? Do you need access? Or do you need advice? And all companies usually need all three. Mm. But, uh, you know, let's prioritize because that'll make a difference. Then do a bit of a SWOT, like your uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. What's going on in the marketplace and where within your company do you need the most help? Mm-hmm. So then I recommend actually building categories, whether it's funding, do you need someone who can help you spin up an, uh, you know, a, a funding vehicle? Uh, do you need someone who can help you build a data room? I mean, there's, there's all sorts of funding uh, categories. There's also some business categories like operations, marketing. There's, uh, you know, um, and then there's access categories and there's advice categories. So uh, like pick seven or eight key categories, then start brainstorming. Who do you know that would fill that role? And then I, I recommend if you can get five to six people and then prioritize them based on their experience, their expertise and their contacts. Mm. Now, if in your personal network, you have one linchpin that you know other people want to be around the table, that's strategically the first person that you invite. Now, the invitation is also very important because these, you know, you want to have a little mini pitch deck. Why them? Why you? Why now? Mm-hmm. And uh, also set out very clearly the expectations because like, these super successful people want to give back. They really do, but they want to do it in a way that's somewhat controlled. So if you can set expectations like, okay, this is going to be one three-hour in-person meeting. 
we're going to bring you in. We're going to have a great dinner. We're going to have a three-hour morning meeting. We're going to have a great lunch or go out and play golf or something. And uh, maybe two telephone calls and one virtual meeting. That's a lot easier for someone to say yes to. And then there's also a little bit about compensation. And very often people will offer some equity. It's not a big piece of equity. And the other thing about equity, I would have you have it vested over a certain amount of time tied to key milestones so that these people get involved, right? Because far too often I've seen people give equity for that association thing that we talked about and uh, they actually don't add value. So you know, if you do it right, you can ensure that every advisor is giving the greatest value that they have within the time frame that you know you've you, and the expectations that you set. Then the next thing about really adding value is to prepare them properly. Give them come up with a two one to three challenge statements. What do we want to solve? What's your biggest problem? Let's come in with a game plan and uh, reverse engineer the meeting so that you can get the outcomes that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so. Very cool. I love that. And, and it, it kind of, it, it's given me, uh, you know, I'd love to have these types of conversations because sometimes what tends to happen is I get, I ended up having an aha moment. And I think that's really important to, Set, set expectations but also i think that you know especially when you want to take um someone on board as part of the advisory um team if you like to call them call them the advisory team um there really is an external team and yeah, it's exactly. a, the, the one of the worst managed teams you've got management teams you've got product teams you've got project teams you've got all your different teams but people don't really think of being more strategic and intentional with their external team and i think that you you picked up a really good point as well is kind of you know and, and, I'll, and I'll give you an example right so we had a we had a lady that uh, applied for a position with us uh, for our ocean plastic um, initiative, for example. And listen, I love the lady. I think she was fantastic. She'd fit the perfect role, whatever it is. But it was only a short period of time where she's like, hey, so um, I love what you do. But the thing is, is that I've, I've also got another opportunity and I don't want to kind of like me hanging around. I was like, listen, that's cool with me as all. But one of the things that came to my mind from what you were just saying is, hey, if she is that valuable, maybe I could bring her in as a visor, right? And, you know, because I think that she could add some huge amounts of value and then it wouldn't take up so much of her time because I, and I really do believe that probably suit her better than, than, than what I propose. So, hey, that's a really good aha moment. So I just want to share that. Mm -hmm. Well, also, I mean, you have the strategic advisory board, which is kind of what we've been talking about. Right. But you also have a customer advisory board. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I know that uh, your, your new project is would be kind of like a not-for-profit mm -hmm. so there's a not-for-profit and i find not-for-profit ad, uh, uh, advisory boards you can also build committees and allow people to give back in a much more structured way mm -hmm. and uh, and i find very often not-for-profits are there's a, I don't want to say desperate, but they, they're just not intentional <laughs> enough. Just if anybody wants to help out, they're going, yeah, sure. But they, they don't have the right structure. So I think, yeah, that would be an awesome opportunity because well, I, I know she's obviously very committed. Well, I know that 
by the way, for full disclosure, my initiative is for profit, but I know, and okay. I totally, I, so I totally get like from, you know, especially from people that are listening in potentially, if you have a non-for-profit or you run a charity or whatever like this, you know what, it doesn't matter because the fundamentals don't change. So I just want to put that out. Anyway, um, I was going to say, interestingly enough, when it comes, I mean, you've kind of touched some bits and pieces on the value a advisory board can bring uh, to the business or the initiative or whatever it is, or the idea, whatever it is that you want to create or whatever it is. Um, in terms of like um, looking for the right advisor that fits a particular role, whether it is to so, um, whether it's to, uh, to solve a particular challenge or a particular problem, what is it that we need to look for in individuals? And it could be, I don't know, whatever it might be, certain behaviors, certain patterns, a certain experience. What is it that you would advise and say, do you know what? This person would be good suited for you. And the reason for that is because of whatever it might be. It could be their experience or whatever it might be. What's your thoughts on that? What's your take? So... I, my advice is to build an, an actual war room with those categories, five war to room. six people in each category, prioritize them based on, first of all, how much they love you, <laughs> you know, or, <laughs> you know, or how much interest they've shown in, you know, really wanting to help you. And then, like I said, their experience, their expertise, their contacts, um, and then start going down the list in each category. So uh, I, I think it's most people don't think about the strategic categories of advice, access or or funding. Um, but that that would be where I would start. And the second piece is if you can keep it within your network or, you know, even if you have a team of people, maybe you do actually have a board of directors bring them together for a brainstorming session of who knows who that has these qualities, because I think that's, uh, that will give you the clarity because if, you know, as you know, manifestation is the easy part, figuring out what you want is a hard part. So if you can really get clear on what the job to be done or what the um, advice that you need is before you start choosing the people, I think you'll be far farther ahead. Very cool. Love it. Very good. Um, now, interestingly enough, I know that you've got your your book, which is the advisory board playbook, which is kind of cool. Now, in your book, if I'm not mistaken, you've created a five step methodology or a framework to help mm -hmm. create the advisory board methodology, if you want to call it that. Um, tell us a little bit more about the framework. Which, how should people go about in terms of like execution? So number one, we talk a little bit about purpose. Yeah. What is the purpose of your advisory board? And that goes right through to a not-for-profit. What's the purpose? Um, funding, advice, access. Then who are the players? And we've kind of gone through the step-by-step -step of creating a war room and um, prioritizing who's going to add the greatest value, who's there for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. um, you know, something that I would advise is that uh, outside consultants that you're working with, your lawyers, your accountants and people like that, probably you don't want them on your advisory board because they might have ulterior motives and not give you the kind of advice that you truly need. Mm -hmm. um, then it's the preparation. So, uh, you know, give them 
your pitch deck, your financials. But more importantly, this is one of the secret sauces is what are your challenge statements so that they are prepared to walk into the meeting. The fourth step is planning. And especially when you're doing a super high level strategic advisory board, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you figure out a way to bring in a professional facilitator. Mm. Because as a founder, you need to be sitting at that table with those people as their peer and listening and being a thousand percent present because you are probably not an expert at facilitating a meeting. So um, that's one of my background, my areas of expertise. And um, depending on what the challenges are, there's very many different um, exercises or games or facilitation techniques to get those desired outcomes. So actually the third part of the book, I go through all sorts of facilitation from visual thinking, design thinking, gamification, facilitation, preparation, all that stuff. But that's really important is the planning the, from the outcomes and reverse engineering the meeting so that it's engaging, it's fun. And here's the, the key part. You are listening 80% and only talking 20% because I've far too often I've seen founders go in PowerPoint, PowerPoint, PowerPoint. Well, what do you guys think? You know, they spent all this money and they get no value. So, and then the fourth, uh, the fifth one is performance. So mm -hmm. have a strategy in place on how you're going to continue to keep them updated. I think your advisory board needs to be a little more intimate, a little more, um, consistent than your quarterly newsletter to your potential investors, right? Because that's something that, you know, is really important as you're building your list of people who might want to invest, you know, like keeping them updated on what's going on. But I think you need to reach out in a different way, much more intimate way to your advisors um, and let them know how you've taken their ideas and you're actually implementing them in your strategy. And then they become even more vested and they are going to open their contact list. I was gonna say Rolodex, but <laughs> and their, their pocketbooks because they see you actually taking their advice and implementing it. And that's huge. Love it, very cool, love it, very good. So um, and now I know that you mentioned around um, uh, board meetings but we could just use meetings in general because I know for a fact that so many companies have meetings just for the sake of bloody meetings, if you want to call it that, right? And the big problem, and it's interesting, it doesn't matter which organization you're part of, right? And I don't know if you've ever been in meetings which have just gone hours and hours on end. And, and half the time it's like, well, that was a waste of time, but talk to us a little bit more about how we can... Be, how we can create um, meetings which are more strategic and more kind of organized, I suppose, and, and something which is kind of like, how do you create strategic board meetings which have purpose, which have fun, which have collaboration written all over it? What's your thoughts on that? Um, so again, I, you could almost use those same five P's. What's the purpose of the meeting? Mm -hmm. Who are the players that need to be at the meeting and don't bring in people that don't need to be there, you know, right. then make sure that they're properly prepared. So you can come in and you're, you're going to be solving a very specific problem at that time. Mm -hmm. And then 
design the meeting so that you get the outcomes that you're looking for. So, uh, you know, whether it's your agenda, I, I, I personally uh, like very interactive things. Some, some things that throw, kind of throw people off and they're not expecting because when people are playing, their biases come down and you get all sorts of great ideas. So, uh, you know, if it's an innovation type meeting where you want to come up with a, a different uh, new ideas and I have different kind of innovation games. Uh, I use innovation and, and there's, um, I would talk some of the resources that I would recommend. Um, Liberating Structures is a fantastic website that's got all sorts of facilitation. Uh, some of the other ones like Creative Problem Solving uh, Institute has a whole series and what I really like in that is a lot, a lot of this is like divergent thinking, coming up with tons and tons and tons of ideas. Um, very often I'll start with a silent storm. So I just give people stickies and allow them to put their ideas down. And then we start putting them on the wall because I really think you need to get it out of your head and onto the wall so that you have a shared language and a shared understanding. And then you can cluster things, name things and solve things in, in, in a more productive way. But it's also very interactive. And the reason I like silent storming is because it allows those people who aren't necessarily, who might be more introverted, it gives them an equal opportunity to put stuff up there. And then it's really fun when people start putting up their stickies and talking and blah, 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 blah. so, <laughs> so um, with the customer advisory boards, I do use a lot of innovation games. Uh, there's like discovery games mm -hmm. where you can uncover the number one problem that if you fix would give you your, you know, the biggest bang for the buck. There's shaping games where you get the customer to help you prioritize what drives the highest value for them. And then there's really fun prioritization games where um, one in particular, I love buy a feature, especially I do this a lot with a lot of tech companies, but the next two or three features that you want to release, um, t-shirt size them based on how expensive it will be to develop it. And then uh, give them an arbitrary number, like a small might be $5, extra large $25, add it all up. And then you give them money, but not enough money to buy everything, about 45% of the, the full budget. And they will tell you really quickly. Now, the fun thing about gamification, and we can talk about that a little bit because you are a game changer, um, is that uh, once they get that dopamine release, so when they buy something virtually, they want to replicate that feeling. So when you actually put that feature into the marketplace, it increases their propensity to buy. Love it. Very cool. And, it, you know, um, I mean, gamification is a complete, well, for me, I feel like it's a, it's a completely different topic. And I'm, it's, it's kind of like, <laughs> it, it's, 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 um, it's one of those things that's uh, very much hot topics right now, but We'll park that for the time being, but I, I do have something else that I have to ask you because if I um I'll just kind of like randomly put it out there. But if we're a, if you're a founder, whether you are in pre-seed, seed, Series A funding, whatever it might be, and you know generally pre-seed funding, generally you're targeting angel investors, whereas maybe Series A funding, maybe venture capitalists or whatever it might be. But in terms of where strategic advisors or an advisory board at what level do do investors in particular expect to have you expect you to have an advisory board in place at what point of the funding is it right at the beginning or the be i mean what's your take on that um Oh, that's an interesting one. And that's where, you know, you talk to a lot of uh, 
venture capitalists and angel investors, whether it's Silicon Valley, Silicon Slopes, and you know they see a lot of pitch decks with just a picture. Uh, this is our advisory board, and they question: Are these people really adding value? Mm. So um, you know, in the earlier stages, it might be the one-on-one -on -one mentorship, but I still believe that the magic and the value comes when you bring them all together. Mm -hmm. So um, if you have a you know early stage, lots of people wanting to help you out, just just bring them together. I, I think it's a better use of your time, a better use of their time. And that magic happens when they're all together, you know, solving a challenge because that's fun for people, right? Yeah. Like, and then if the, the actual experience is fun, then, then it's so much easier to bring them back in and, and, and they really become vested because far too often it's like I say, you know, oh, so-and-so was helping me and they're just going, really? <laughs> so I don't know if that answered your question. Um, I guess it, it also depends on when you're, you're comfortable. But I do, you know, as you know, entrepreneurship can be very, very lonely. And there's so many people out there that want to give back. And if you can structure it in such a way that it's fun, it's the set expectations, you will be amazed how many people say yes, just like, even you don't even have to like just your first meeting. Sometimes you don't even have to offer any kind of equity Just say, can you come to a meeting? You've been so helpful. I, you know, I want to make this productive. And if you can show that you're thoughtful of them and you're also helping to create a, a fun experience. And once again, if you do have the linchpin that other people want to sit around the table, because I think that's the other win that we didn't really get to. And that's advisors get to see how other advisors think and yeah. then that puts them together because with a lot of the mentoring that like I say I do with venturecapital.org and everything it's so cool because I've met so many great people I see things very differently and I don't see the same financial or investment I kind of see more the strategy side and and, it, and it's just great love it very cool well listen I know that we're coming towards the end of our conversation and it, it, you know, it's been really fascinating listening to some of the things that we've been talking about, because it is a very specific topic, you know, advisory boards, it's something that we, I, it's something that we haven't really spoken about on the podcast, which is kind of cool. And it's, I think it's really crucially important, especially when you are raising investment or looking to potentially grow the business or grow a business of some sort, or whatever it might be. So I just want to say thanks very much for that. Really appreciate it. What do you, um, I mean, I always like to ask um, kind of this question to our guests is what are you working on right now? And, uh, and, and what's the best way for uh, some of our listeners to get maybe in touch with you? Well, I'm, you know, out there building advisory boards and helping all sorts of startups, especially I'm, I've uh, originally from Toronto, Canada. Now I'm down here in um, Silicon Slopes, just North of Salt Lake city. Uh, and I, I've been doing some strategic plans and I use a lot of these same techniques, uh, the visual thinking, the design thinking, let's prototype your business idea. Don't fall in love with your first idea because it might not be the best one and the whole gamification. So I've been starting to hold advisory board um, introduction meetings, which has been really fun. And I guess you can get me on LinkedIn is probably the best. That's uh that's cool. Nancy Mayer, 13, LinkedIn, um, or uh, PowerPlay PS for ProfitSolutions.com. Very cool. And for you guys that want to connect with uh, Nancy, by the way, we'll put the links below just in case uh, 
just in case you missed any of that. And when you do reach out to her, or if you reach out to her, of course, and drop her a personal message, please do mention the podcast because then you can't kind of put two and two together. And so Nancy, I just want to say thanks so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate your time. Well, I thank you so much, Adam, and I look forward to continuing to collaborate on some amazing ideas. I just love the uh, cleaning up the oceans. I think it's super important. Absolutely. Well, listen, guys, hope you've enjoyed today's conversation uh, with myself and Nancy. And uh, hopefully, well, if you haven't already done so, if you love our show, please do me a favor. Give us a one or a five star review. I always love honest reviews, by the way. Give us a one or a five star uh, uh, review uh, on Apple or Spotify, whichever your preferred app, uh, podcast provider. Normally Apple and uh, Spotify and Podchaser are the only ones that you can actually put a, a review on. But listen, the more reviews that we have, the better it is and we're more, the bigger the impact for us. So listen, hope you've enjoyed today's show. And uh, from myself and Nancy, we'll see you again back on the next Game Changers experience. Take care and we'll see you soon. Cheers now. Hey guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Game Changers Experience. I would be gratefully appreciated if you could leave a good or a bad review. It doesn't matter, one or a five-star review, whichever you prefer, on any of the platforms, whether it be on Apple, whether it be on Spotify, Podchaser, etc. And please leave a testimonial or review about our podcast. And if you have enjoyed our podcast, then I look forward to seeing you on the next Game Changers Experience. Take care, see you soon, etc. And please leave a testimonial or review about our podcast. And if you have enjoyed our podcast, then I look forward to seeing you on the next Game Changers Experience. Take care, see you soon.